0: We're in a series of messages right now called Culture Shift, and I would say we need a culture shift. Uh, As we look around at our society, we see that it's, it's struggling. You know, we can look within our community and find things that are good, and sometimes we can find things that are bad. In fact, you can find places where people are helping others. You can find those places where they're encouraging others and uh, helping to improve the lives of people who are around them. But you can also look in our community, within our society, and see people who are not helping others, but people who are hurting others. And it's sad, but if you look at the state and the nature of our culture today, I would see the herders are being more successful than the helpers. It seems like our, our culture is going in a very, very difficult in bad direction. And God can change a culture. And the question is, how does a culture change? Well, the answer to that question is, is really simple. People change the culture. The culture is the way it is because of our behaviors, because of what we choose to do, what we choose to live for, uh, the decisions that we make in life. So we are the ones who determine what our culture is like. In fact, we see a great example of that because tomorrow there is the celebration of life for someone who reigned on the throne for 70 years in Queen Elizabeth. You were wondering if I was ever going to bring her up, right? Some of y'all know that I'm a big royal family uh, person, but uh, they are having the funeral tomorrow, 6 a.m., in case you were wondering. And, it's a, and it truly is a celebration of her life and the influence that she had over the last 70 years. Her life uh, certainly was not perfect, but you can point to a lot of positive things that happened uh, through her influence. It just gives us an example of something. She had an effect on the culture because of how she lived, because of decisions that she made. We're not kings and we're not queens here, but we have people within our circles of influence that we make a difference in their lives. We impact them. And each time we impact someone else, the culture shifts. So the question is, are we having a positive effect or a negative effect on the culture that is around us? Well, for us to change the culture, we have to change what we want out of life. I mean, if we're having a negative influence, then the only way to have a positive influence is to change what we're living for. I mean, we were living for one thing and now we have to live for something else because when we live for something else, our behaviors follow that. We're living to achieve something else. There's a word for this, it's called vision. We have a vision for a future. There's something that we want to achieve with our lives before us in the future. And because we want to achieve that in our future, we make decisions today to make sure that it happens. That's why our culture is the way it is. People have things that they're living for that are leading them in certain directions and leading them to make certain choices. So for us to change it, we have to have a new goal in life, a new vision for who it is that we want to be. Vision is really important in leadership and influence because when we have a vision and there's something that we want to achieve, many times we bring other people alongside of us to help us achieve whatever it is that we're after. One of my favorite verses about vision is found in the Old Testament in the book of Proverbs. It says this in Proverbs 29, 18. It says these words, "'Where there is no vision, the people perish, "'but he that keepeth the law, happy is he.'" I love this verse because it tells us four very important things about the power of our, of our vision and the important characteristics of our vision. In fact, we see what our vision should be about just through this verse. Look at number one on your outline sheet. We see this statement that our vision is about saving people. In the very first part of this verse, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. We don't want people to perish. We want to save people. We want them to survive. We want them to be better because of our influence. I would say that everybody's vision has to do with saving people. I'm a person, that means I'm a people, okay? You're a person, you're part of the people. So my vision is either about saving myself I'm a person, I'm a people, right? Or it's about saving others. Literally, everybody's vision is about this. It's about what I do to save myself, to make my life better, to help myself, to protect myself, to gain whatever it is that I want. That's a vision of my future. I can see myself achieving these things in the future. Or it can be about helping other people. I see other people being protected, other people being helped, other people uh, being able to achieve things in their life through my influence. This is the power of vision because when we have that vision for people in the future of being better, it drives us to do what it is that we do. In fact, I would say this, if we don't have a vision of people's lives being better because of our influence, we won't do anything to help them be better. It's when we see them being better because of what we do that we get motivated to do whatever it is that we can do to help them be better. In our family, if we want our kids to be better, we wanna see a future where their lives are better. And we see through us the influence that we can have to get them to that point. In our neighborhood, through our friendships, with our coworkers, with anybody that we have in any relationship that we have, this is called our circle of influence. So we should see the people that we know, their lives getting better being protected, being helped, and to see how it is that we can engage in them. And when it becomes important for us to see that occur, we'll do something about it. Here's the second thing that we learn about our vision. Our vision is about keeping laws. All of our visions are about keeping laws. I know that sounds kind of weird, but when you look in the scripture, uh, it, it made this statement, but he that keepeth the law. I talked last week about, us following rules, that all of us follow rules. And that it's kind of like a grid. I use the illustration of a grid and a grid simply is a system of reference lines, right? So a grid is like, I need to stay within these lines. So we have different types of rules that we follow. We, there are people who follow worldly rules. The world says, these are the rules that you're to follow and to live by. And then there are godly rules, right? He gives us rules. I gave us several of the worldly rules. I'm not gonna go through them right now and encourage you if you weren't here to go back and listen to that. But here's the thing about all the worldly rules. All the worldly rules are about saving myself. You remember just a minute ago that Everybody's vision is about saving people. Well, the worldly rules are about saving myself, about making my life better, about protecting myself, helping myself, leading myself to get more things, to achieve whatever it is that I want. Then there are the godly rules. I will tell you what the godly rules are because as we keep learning around here, there are only two of them. The rules are this, to love God, In other words, to have a relationship with God, a loving relationship. He loves us and we love him back. Here's the really cool thing about it, that we would love someone who actually can love us back. Here's the thing about the world. Your money will never love you back. Have you figured that out yet? Your car will not love you back. Your boat won't love you back. There are a lot of things that we live they that are temporary in nature. They won't love us back. But here's the rule. We have a relationship with God who will love us back. So... My rule is to love God, to put him first, for him to be my priority. But the other rule is this, is to love others. So the rule then, get this, all the rule is about is saving people. You see the connection between the two. Worldly rules are about saving myself. Godly rules are about saving people, but we all live by one of these sets of rules. So the question is, which grid, which reference lines am I allowing to guide me in life? We'll just call them laws because that's what uh, Solomon called these in the scripture. Here's the third thing that we learn about vision. Our vision affects our happiness. In the scripture, it says this, that he that keepeth the law, happy is he, right? So our vision is about what we think will make us happy. That's true of everybody's vision. Okay. I had this vision of a future to achieve this, to get this, whatever it is, because I feel like if I achieve that, then I'll be happy. Well, people of the world have this ideal. I want to save myself, do everything I can for me. So therefore I'm going to follow rules that help me to save myself. Because if I follow these rules and get what I want, I'll be happy. But Solomon obviously is writing this scripture in reference to not following worldly rules, but following godly rules. And this is basically what he's saying. It's this, that if you want to make a difference, if you want to save people to help people around you and follow God's rules to serve the people who are around you, to help them be better, to protect them, to influence them so that they can live up to whoever it is that God created them to be, then you'll be happy. Both of them are about happiness. Everybody's vision is about happiness. So we have to decide what we believe and what we think will make us happy. Here's number four on your outline sheet. Y'all we're flying through this. I know what you were thinking, seven points will be here forever, okay? Number four already, our vision drives what we do. We're in the pursuit of happiness, right? That pursuit of happiness is a driving force in my life because I believe doing this will make me happy. That's the future I see. That drives the decisions that I make today. You say it again. I have a vision in my future of doing what I think is going to make me happy because I believe that's going to make me happy. It drives the decisions that I make today. I make decisions today to help me get that future. It's the driving force of my life. So Therefore, whatever your vision is, makes, has a, has a impact on the choices and the decisions that you're making today it will either help me get it achieve it again or it will keep me from gaining it all that's about vision all of it's about vision it applies to everyone so why would we change our vision i'll give you the answer to that question because what we thought was going to make us happy doesn't and then it make sense now I mean, literally, that's the reason why we changed because everything that I was living for that I thought was gonna give me this and make me feel a certain way, it's not working out. So now I'm willing to change, to have a different vision. And that vision is about this. I'm willing to change and have a new relationship. When you think of it in that way, that you can have a relationship with the world or you can have a relationship with God. It all has to do with our desires that we have within us. I shared a scripture with you last week out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth. Corinth was a very wealthy area. It's a transport hub city. So there was a lot of wealth that came through there. So there were many people who were living according to worldly standards. This is who he's talking to. The people who lived in this area the church that was in this area, when he mentioned these things, he said this, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. There it is, there are people who are living for this worldly thing. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What the scripture is about is people changing from one lifestyle to another, or changing from living for one thing to living another. They're changing from living for the world to being willing now to live for God. So what do these relationships look like? On your outline sheet, let's look at that first relationship, the relationship with the world. We can have a relationship with the world. That's what It says we can have a relationship with the world. And the reason why I call it a relationship with the world is because there are many things that are involved in relationships. But two of those things that are involved are commitment and love, right? That we're passionate about. So when I'm in a relationship, I'm making a commitment to this connection that I have. So there are people related to the world. We're making a commitment to follow by the rules of the world. There's a commitment there. I'm committed to do these things because I believe these things are gonna make me happy. So that commitment connects me to the ways of this world. Here's the other part of it though, it's love. I love the world. Why do I love the world? Because I believe that the world will give me what I desire. Remember, it's about saving myself in this situation. It's about getting what I want to make my life better. Okay, it Really, it's a me, me culture that, this, this is the foundation of. So that's what this is about. It's about the focus and attention then being on me. So how then do I approach life? I'm in love with the world. So this worldly relationship, I know this is gonna sound weird when I'm talking about this, this worldly relationship, can it be in a good situation or in a bad situation? Let's talk about the, the good situation first. A good relationship with the world is marked by acceptance. So if I'm following by the rules of the world, it's all about me, okay? If I'm doing good and actually living by the rules of the world, I'm living like everybody else is living for the world. I'm trying to get things for me, like everybody in the, in the world, guess what happens? Things are good with me and the people in the world. They accept me. They accept me because I'm living for the same things that they're living for. I'm doing the same things that they're doing. So the relationship between me and the people in the world is good. I'm accepted by them. And we're looking for acceptance, aren't we? That's what we're looking for. Becomes the driving force for our decisions many times related to what or who we commit ourselves to. But let's think of it, In another way, let's think of it in this way, that I don't do everything that people of the world do. I do some of the things that people of the world want me to do, but I don't do everything that people of the world want me to do. Now I have a bad relationship with people of the world because I'm not doing everything that they're doing, or I'm not approving of everything that they're approving of. So what happens then in the relationship with the world? Oh, my soul, let's look at it. A bad relationship with the world is marked by judgment, condemnation, isolation, and punishment. When we no longer agree with people in the world or live according to the same rules they live by or accept the same things that they accept by, what do they do? They turn on us. They judge us. They judge us as being unaccepting or being unkind or whatever it is that they want to want to do. What do they do? Uh, they condemn us. You're guilty. You're, oh, you're, about, you're, you're coming against me. They're just this guilt. They want you to feel guilty about uh, how you're living. Isolation. They push you away and don't want to have anything to do with you. They isolate you away from the rest of us, right? And what's the other one? Punishment. They wanna punish you for who you are. I'll give you a great example of it. Have you ever heard of this cancel culture? Isn't that what this is about? You don't agree with us? You don't follow? We'll cancel you, we'll isolate you. We'll get everybody to turn against you. That's what we'll do. So this is what this relationship looks like. Sounds fun, doesn't it? There's a second type of relationship. Obviously it's the relationship that we have with God. And in this relationship, we're following God's rules. Now, here's the cool thing about our relationship with God. Okay? Our relationship with God is not based on loving ourselves. It's based on being loved. Because Let me say that one more time because it's kind of a heavy statement that's going to kind of be the foundation of some of this. Our relationship with God, it's not about loving myself. It's about being loved, which means this. In the world, if I don't follow its rules, people come against me and judge me and condemn me and isolate me and punish me. But with God, if I don't obey the rules, God loves me anyway. It's unconditional love. So my relationship with God is not dependent upon me following rules. He loves me because he created me and cares about me. Completely different feeling in this relationship already, right? And all of us, yes, we want to be accepted, but get this, we want to be loved. That's what we desire in our life. So we're after this. In fact, we see that God wants us to experience this and feel this, that he doesn't want to count our sins against us. That's why he sent Jesus to us, right? In 2 Corinthians 5, 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Listen to this, not counting people's sins against them and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He wants things to be right, even though we're wrong. He wants things to be right between us and him again. Oh, how I wish Harry and William would learn this. A to- Totally different story, okay? Royal family, that is a big thing. I'm just really concerned, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying. Okay, let's talk about this a little bit more, the relationship with God. It can be a good relationship with God. If I have a good relationship with God, a good relationship, it means this. I'm following his rules. I'm loving God. In other words, I'm doing things on a daily basis to build my relationship with God. I'm spending time with God. I'm getting to know God more. And the more I connect with God, the closer we are to each other, right? So I love God. I'm doing things to build my personal relationship with him. But here's the other thing. I'm doing things, I'm to love other people, right? Right? Love your neighbors yourself. So I I love other people. I'm doing things to serve other people, to help them, protect them. And again, to help them to live up to their potential. That's what I'm doing in my life. That's how I'm living. So what is the result of this? Let's look at what a good relationship with God is marked by. It says fulfillment. Remember the relationship with the world is marked by acceptance. I just want to be accepted. I'll do whatever I need to do so you'll accept me. But here's the thing, when my relationship, if I'm following the rules with God, I am fulfilled, which means this, I have a loving relationship with God and I am fulfilled. I have joy in my life because of the relationship. But here's the other part of it. I am doing things to help those people around me, to minister to the people around me, to meet their needs. So what happens? I feel fulfilled, why? Because I am fulfilling my purpose. I had a vision for other people's lives to be better, and I see their lives being better, and I see what I can do to help them reach that point. I feel fulfilled because I fulfilled my purpose. That makes sense? That's what this relationship is marked about. It's not all, it's it's not about acceptance. It's joy, it's living up to who we were created to be. But let's just say, and I just talked about this a little bit, that I don't follow the rules of God, that I'm not doing things to spend time with God daily, that my, I'm, I'm growing apart from God, right? I'm, I'm, I'm drifting away from him, that I'm not helping other people, that I'm starting to help myself. Well, now this relationship with God, it's unhealthy. I have a relationship with him because I've made this commitment to him, but now my relationship with God, it's an unhealthy relationship because I'm not following the rules. So what is that unhealthy relationship with God? What does that look like? Let's look at it. An unhealthy relationship with God is marked by acceptance, conviction, sacrifice, and forgiveness. Now, here's the cool thing about it. We just talked about acceptance kind of in a negative way because, you know, we just want people to accept us. We do whatever we can to be accepted. Acceptance in this case is we do something wrong, yet we're, we're still accepted by God, that he still loves us. These four things are in direct contrast to the unhealthy worldly relationship. Let me explain. In the worldly relationship, there is judgment. In the godly relationship, there is acceptance. I still love you even though you've done things wrong. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here for you to know that you're still loved. So we see something else. In the world relationship, there's condemnation. We want them to you know, feel con- you know, guilty for what they've done. But in a godly relationship, there's conviction. In other words, we feel the sense that we've done something wrong because we're not helping other people the way that we should be helping. We're not living up to our potential and we feel convicted about that within us. That's why we feel the way we feel. We know what we should be doing and we're not doing it. In a worldly relationship, there's isolation, but in a godly relationship, there is sacrifice. In, in worldly relationships, they don't wanna have anything to do with you. They wanna get away from you. They want you to you know, feel like you have been uh, you know, eliminated or avoided, that's how they make you feel. But in a godly relationship, People don't isolate you and move you away from them. In a godly relationship, he comes to us through sacrifice. Y'all, this is totally different. Instead of you're a terrible person, you're condemned, I don't want to have anything to do with you. It's this, you've done something wrong. I accept you even though you've done things wrong. I love you. You feel the conviction of your heart. And guess what? I want to come to you and I want to show my love to you even though you did something wrong. I'm going to give up things for your good even though you don't deserve it. That's a completely different relationship than what the world has for us. And then the last part of it, with the the world there is punishment, right? But with God, there is forgiveness. The world wants to punish you and feel the wrath. What God wants is for all of that feeling, that conviction, all those things to go away through the forgiveness that we have from him. Two options, a relationship with the world and the relationship with God. Which one sounds better? It's just, honestly, it's common sense when you think about it, right? But when you look at these two different relationships, it's affected the health of our culture, has it not? Because in an unhealthy culture, it's become very worldly, and we see judgment and condemnation and isolation and punishment all the time because of a disagreement of what we believe is most important. So why would we change? We change... Relationships because of conflict. Let's learn about that. On your outline sheet, fill it in. We change relationships because of conflict. We have a conflict within us. This is leadership 101 as well. It's all about change. We don't change until we feel like we need to change. We have a conflict within us. In other words, uh, we're dissatisfied. This is where we know we should be. This is where we are. And we're dissatisfied because of where we are. We feel this conviction, okay? This dissatisfaction about where we are. So how does that apply to our relationships? The first is the conflict of feelings, all right? On your outline sheet, fill that in. In other words, I want to be happy. This is how I want to be, but I'm here, I'm not happy. So when we get finally to a point of unhappiness, where we're dissatisfied, then we'll change. Then and only then will we change. So how far in our unhappiness do we have to go before we'll, we'll change? And this is what happens in the world. There's really a a difference between, and I've talked about this before, it's a kind of an emotional thing, all right? But uh, there's happiness and then there's joy. Happiness really is temporary in nature. Even though we hear happy as he in Proverbs, really what it's talking about is a permanent happiness, which is is related, it's joy, that's what it is, okay? Happiness is temporary in nature. In other words, you'll be happy for a while and then it goes away. Joy lasts forever, it's sustainable. So what happens is I want to be happy. I'm happy for a while. I'm I'm temporarily happy, but then my happiness starts going away and I get to a point where I'm really unhappy. So I find something else temporarily to make me happy. I get more of what made me happy before. So if I have more of it, I'll be happy. Or if it didn't work, I'll get something different to make me happy. So I try something else. So you go through all these things of happiness and unhappiness, happiness and unhappiness. And finally get to the point of unhappiness and think I'm done with this because the world doesn't work anymore. Everything I'm trying doesn't fix my problem. So that's where I am. There's also a conflict of actions. Write that down. The conflict of actions uh, it, it is this. All of us know within us what is right and wrong behavior, every one of us. And this is how I know it, because it's the golden rule. I've talked about this a lot before, but we're to treat other people the way we want to be treated, right? That's the rule. So it's it's wrong to treat other people in a way that we wouldn't want to be treated ourselves. So we all know that. Okay, so I want you to keep that in mind. This is what the world says. The world gives us rules. And it says, if you follow these rules, you're gonna be happy. Okay, so we're thinking this is the right thing to do. Talking about what's right and wrong. Okay, this is the right thing for me to do then. If I do that, then I'll be happy. But here's the problem with the rules of the world, because they're about us. Many times when we follow the rules of the world, it has a negative effect on other people. For me to have more power, which is one of the worldly rules we learned last week, I have to push other people down. In other words, I have to treat other people the way I wouldn't want to be be treated. And now I have a conflict of actions. The world's asking me to do things that I know deep down are not the right thing to do. To get more money, I have to take money away from you. I wouldn't want people to take my money, so therefore I have a conflict of actions. The world's telling me to do this, but I know I wouldn't want people to treat me this way. And it's when we finally get to the point where we understand I'll never be happy doing these things against other people because I wouldn't want to be treated this way that we're willing to change. Y'all get it? I'm not happy. And what I'm doing, I know is wrong. Then we're willing to make the shift. Then we're willing to be different. We change relationships. I enter into a relationship with God. I receive the forgiveness of God offered to me through Christ who died on the cross for my sins to take my punishment so that I don't have to to be punished myself. I receive the sacrifice that, that he gave me coming to me to the earth, to do this for me, to show what love looks like, and to give me a way to know God, I receive and accept the forgiveness that Jesus provides for me. New relationship. We can call it this, we're a new creation. And with a new creation comes new desires. Number six on your outline sheet. A culture changes when we have a new desire. We do have a new desire because we do have a new relationship. We read the scripture in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. In other words, I'm a new person. I am alive, not dead. I have a new relationship with God. Okay, I'm a child of God. That's what it is to be a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. What is that talking about? My old desires are gone. My new desires are here. Desires have everything to do with a culture. In fact, our desires are the foundation that lead to the behaviors that cause our culture to be who they are. There are two desires. One desire, the old desire is this. The old desire is to be accepted by the people of the world. That's the old desire. I need for you to accept me. I need for you, you know, to be that Person who doesn't condemn me or judge me or any of those things, those things. So, therefore, for me to be accepted, I have to have a willingness of acceptance. And it's not the acceptance of people that we love them, it's the acceptance of behavior. There's a difference. God accepts us because He loves us, He still loves us. But He doesn't accept our behavior when it's wrong, He doesn't want us to do that. That's what happens in our world. The world wants us to accept them, to love them, but the world wants us to accept their behavior. And the only way for me to fit in or to be approved by the world and to be accepted by the world is to approve of worldly behavior. This is a problem because some of the things that the people of the world are doing, we don't agree with. Why don't we agree with it? Y'all, this is awesome. Let me tell you why we don't agree with it because it's not the best thing for them. It's not the best thing for their emotional health, their physical health, their mental health, their their spiritual health, their physical health. It's not the best thing for them. We're not wanting to condemn people because of what they do. We want the best for them. And what they have fallen for are the lies that say that if I live this way, sexually, Related to money, related to this, related to this. Anything that I can do to make me happy, that's what's best for me. It is not. It's not. Let me, y'all, I could spend a lot of time talking about just this one thing and I'm not because I don't have enough time. But I just want to ask a question. Where's the line? When is too much too much? We hear about the sanctity of life. We hear about abortion and all of this. Where's the line? Because the line keeps moving. When it comes to sexuality, where's the line? Because the line keeps moving. What are we supposed to do with all of that? And here's the reality. What they think is best for them and will make them happy doesn't. It just doesn't. But is that, is that not the power of the devil and the world to make us think it? And then people who follow the rules of God are condemned and judged and marked as the bad ones. So ironic, isn't it? Because all we want is for their lives to be better. All we want to do is to serve them. Look, whatever your sexuality we're to be we love them are not going to isolate them aren't going to we're going to come to them and make sacrifices for them and do things for people who may not agree with whatever our culture is to show them that you, that loving you is not dependent or determined by any behavior that you have in your life it's just not You know, the reason why so many people in the world have such a problem with Christianity, it's because Christians have become like people of the world and isolated people of the world away from them instead of going to the people in the world and making sacrifices for them to show them that they're loved. Why did Jesus come here? For the adulterous woman, for the thief, for the this, for the that, people who didn't know God. And yet people in the church all they, many of the, y'all know this is a very big brush that I'm saying, but we know this happens occasionally with people in the church. They're judging and condemning of the people of the world and isolate themselves away from them and make them feel unloved. So really the big question should be, how can I help somebody who doesn't agree with me and who lives by worldly standards feel loved anyway? That should be our question. That's how it is that we should live. Because when we do that, we change the culture in the right way because we have a new desire. Here's the new desire. Y'all, I love this. The new desire is is just to please God. How is it a bad thing to want to have a great relationship with God? And how is it a bad thing for us to love other people who are around us sacrificially? How in the world is that a bad thing? It's not. It's not. But what it does, it leads us to have something. It leads us to have the feeling of this eternal happiness that we're all looking for. So how do we change the culture? Last thing, number seven. the culture changes when we become ambassadors who take the message of God's love to those who need it. We become ambassadors. We don't isolate, we go into the world and we sacrifice and we show unconditional love over and over and over again. It talks about us being ambassadors in the scripture. I'm not gonna read it for the sake of time. You see it right there. An ambassador is someone who takes a message to other people. So what happens for us when we take the message to other people is we simply are living out our vision. Remember what the vision was in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So what happens when I'm an ambassador for Christ? This is really awesome. People are saved. On your outline sheet, fill it in. People are saved. I'm an ambassador, I'm helping people come to know him, to be united with him for eternity. People's lives are saved for eternity. But listen, people's lives are saved right here and right now. And they're saved from living for things that will not cause them to feel what it is that we all desire. And what it is, what is it? Joy. People have joy. We want people to have a joy in life. After all, we're all in pursuit of it. That's the goal of our vision. I want to ask you two questions as we, as we end. First question is this. Do you have a relationship with the world or do you have a relationship with God? It might be that you have a relationship with the world and it's not working out. If it is working out, <clears throat> I, just, I know this is... This, as truth. If it's working out and you're in that temporary happiness mode right now, there's no thing in you that's driving you to change or be any different. And chances are, you probably won't make any decision to be any different than you are right now. If that's where you are in that temporary happiness mode, everything's great. Everything's good. This is what I want you to do. I want you to think about times when they weren't because those times are coming back. They're going to come back. It might be today that you're living for the world and you're not happy. And let me just say today, today we're giving you the answer for what it is that gives it, it's a relationship with God. Second question I wanna ask you today is who are you an ambassador for? Are you an ambassador for the world? Are you an ambassador for God? Are you trying to fit into the world and be accepted by people of the world? Or are you a person who's trying to help people's lives be better as you help people have a relationship with him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes right now. If you don't have a relationship with God, you can begin it right now. The Bible tells us if we call on the name of the Lord that we'll be saved. Remember, that's the goal is to save people. We're saved from being separated from God, but we're saved from a life of unhappiness. I wanna encourage you right now, to give your life to God, to be a new creation, to begin your relationship with God. And we do it through prayer. So I just want to ask you, if this is you and you want to do it right now, you can do it. It's very simple. It's your choice to pray this prayer silently to God. Just pray these words. Dear God, thank you for loving me. I know I don't deserve it. I know I do things wrong and I'm sorry. I know you sent your son, Jesus to die on the cross for me and to be resurrected so that I can be forgiven of my sins. I ask you, Jesus, right now to forgive me of my sins and to come into my heart and to take control of my life. I give you my life and I commit to follow you as my leader and my guide. If you just prayed that mean it with your heart, God hears this and says yes to it every time. It's the most important decision you could ever ever make. At the end of this service, back in the back, to my right, to your left, there's a single door with a glass window. Somebody should be back there a few moments. If you need prayer, if you need counseling, if we can answer any question whatsoever to help you in your relationship with God, please come back there. If you prayed to receive Christ this morning, you just prayed that prayer, come let us know. We'd love to know that just to celebrate with you. It might be today that you're already a Christian, but the reality is you're an ambassador for the world and not God. You're living according to the world. You're living for what you want, and you're not being a servant to help make the lives of other people be better. And what I believe is this: your, your relationship with God is unhealthy right now. But what you're feeling is you're feeling the, con, the acceptance of God. God still loves you. You're feeling the conviction of God in your life right now. Hopefully you're being reminded of the sacrifice that Christ made for you and what he did for you and what we're to do for other people. And you sense this from God's spirit that he wants to forgive you and to help you understand your forgiveness for what you've done. And I would encourage you today to make a new commitment. And that commitment is, God, I have been living for myself. God, I want to live for you and to please you. So as I pray I'd encourage you to do the same. Father, thank you for teaching us today. I thank you for the truth that we find in your word. I pray, God, that it would be life-changing for us. I pray, God, that every day we would make a choice as to whose ambassador we will be. And I pray, God, that you would lead us to be culture changers. I pray, God, that we would be agents of change, God, as we become people that are out showing your love to people and not measuring people according to their behaviors, God, but loving them because you love them and you desire to know them. Lead us to be your servants so that we can bring change in this world. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, let's go. Get-